Hey everybody, it's Matt. Welcome or welcome back to the Journey Church Podcast. If you haven't yet, be sure to subscribe to this podcast so you automatically get our weekly episodes. And you might want to subscribe to our Journey Callaway YouTube channel as well. You'll find messages, music, interviews, inspiring stories, and more for you right there. Are any of you Survivor fans? I watched during the early years, but then a couple of months ago when a season popped up on Netflix, I discovered that Jen had never watched Survivor. So I introduced her to it, of course, and now we're working our way through the seasons. Now, I am fascinated by the competitive natures of the different people. I'm fascinated by all the ways they try to lead and influence. Jen, well, she's fascinated by all the personality types, or maybe she's just amused watching me get competitive watching them compete. Anyway, we probably wouldn't be much fun to watch this with, but I'll tell you what's interesting about Survivor. How often somebody gets labeled a certain way on the show, only to later discover they're really nothing like that. Labels are hard to shake, aren't they? Have you ever had somebody label you in a way that you didn't appreciate? It happened to me more than once. It's probably happened to you too. You get labeled in a way that you don't feel is accurate or appropriate, but you just can't seem to shake it. They labeled you as bossy. Maybe they labeled you as lazy or dramatic, privileged, selfish, greedy, controlling, whatever it was. No matter how hard you tried, you just couldn't convince them it wasn't true. That is frustrating, isn't it? Well, let me turn this question around for just a second. Have you ever labeled someone? Sure you have, we all have. The difference is, we are certain our labels are correct, aren't we? Why is that? Because we all have a tendency to put someone in a box, label them, and then look for information to affirm what we have come to believe is true about them. This happens all the time, both from a negative and a positive perspective. If I label you as someone who's wise or talented or friendly, well, I'm gonna look for evidence to validate my label even if the facts seem to indicate otherwise. This happens in hiring all the time in businesses. Once you decide you like someone in an interview, it's really hard to see their flaws. But on the other hand, if I decide that you're bossy, if I decide you're untrustworthy, well, I'm gonna find facts to support that conclusion too, even if it's not really true. So, maybe all of our labels need to be evaluated. Maybe they need to be rewritten. Maybe we should start using a more accurate label maker. Let's talk about it in episode three of Relationship Rules. We've been talking about three rules that'll make every single relationship better. So quick review, relationship rule number one, I choose to respond rather than react. In most cases, my relationships, well, they're as strong as I want them to be because I get to choose how I relate with others. I do not have to react to what happens to me. I can intentionally respond in a way that makes my relationships better. I can choose to do what love requires of me. Relationship rule number two, I choose to fill the gap with trust before suspicion. In every relationship, there are gaps between what we expect or desire and how they behave but I can choose to believe the best when I see a gap instead of assuming the worst. I can fill this gap with trust until I get facts that tell me otherwise. Today, I wanna introduce you to this third rule for having better relationships. Now, this is a rule that enables us to see the best in others. We all have a tendency to be easier on some people than others, don't we? Have you ever noticed yourself doing this? I mean, why are we generous with some and then we show no mercy to others? Why do we excuse the same behavior in some people that we criticize in others? Well, I think part of the answer is the nature of our relationship with the person. Or another way of thinking of it is this. Perspective really does play a big part. Knowing someone's story 
Well, that can make all the difference in the labels we use, can it? If you snap at me, but I know you have a family member in the hospital, or I know you've been laid off, or I know you have a sick child, well, I'll tend to be more forgiving and generous towards you. But you let the waiter who I don't know snap at me, I may get angry, I may snap back. I'll assume that's a rude or an arrogant or an angry person who did that. What's the difference? Perspective. One story I know, the other I don't. This is the power of perspective. It's why Paul, who wrote most of our New Testament documents, he often wrote trying to help us understand the perspective of our Heavenly Father. See, he knew that if we could see people the way God sees them, it would change the way we treat them. So in a letter to Christians living in the city of Rome, he wrote this, and this describes so well the label that God chose to put on each of us. He said, you see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless. Now, think about this. Paul's referring to the dynamite that we had placed in our relationship with God. We had blown that relationship up. As part of the human race, we're raising our fist and insulting the one who created us by rebelling against him and just living opposed to how he created us to be. Some of us were still doing that. But Paul says, while we were still in our state of rebellion, while we were still powerless to the effects of sin, God looked down. Well, he actually did one better. God came down. And in Romans 5, Paul wrote, Christ died for the ungodly. So Jesus, through his death, did something that none of us earned or deserved. He labeled us not as irredeemable. He labeled us as valuable. He labeled us as worthy. He labeled us as loved. You know how to determine the value of something? By what a person's willing to pay for it. When you decide to sell something, it is not worth the price you ask for it. It's worth what someone pays you for it. Well, by dying for you while you were still a rebel, Jesus labeled you as someone with infinite value. And Paul's point is, that is not normal. And that wasn't logical. In verse 7 of Romans 5, he went on and he wrote, Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person someone might possibly dare to die. In other words, it's rare for anyone to value somebody else enough that they're going to give their lives for that person. But every now and then it happens. Somebody will give their lives because they consider a person to be good or they consider a cause they believe in to be worth it. But that is not what Paul says God did. He didn't consider you or me good. He actually knew we were the exact opposite. Paul goes on to write, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. It's not unusual for subjects to give their lives for a king. We see that all the time. But a king giving his life for his subjects, a king giving his life for rebellious subjects, well, that says a lot more about the king than the subjects, doesn't it? That shows the perspective, the value, the label that the king places on those subjects. You know where you have failed and fallen. So do I. You know in your most honest moments what you really deserve and what you don't deserve. So do I. We've had moments when we didn't want to live with ourselves. We've had moments when we were disgusted with ourselves and the choices we've made. We've had moments when we were so disappointed with ourselves that we didn't believe we deserved anything good. Now, let this sink in for just a minute. Our Heavenly Father, your Creator, the one who made you, loves you, and He gave you everything good in your life. He's experienced your rebellion against Him. It's personal. He's seen all the hurt you've created in those He loves. 
He's felt the brunt of your worst moments, but he has never wavered in seeing you as valuable, lovable, and redeemable. He knew all about your worst moments and he still chose to put on human flesh, move into your neighborhood, and die on a cross to show you that you're loved. Jesus died for the real you, not the best version of you, not the Instagram version of you. He died for the version of you that even though you've been ashamed of at times and you didn't even want that version to be out, he saw it, he knew it, and he's offered you forgiveness for all of it. That's how much he loves you. Now, keeping that in mind, see if it makes a little more sense why later in this letter Paul gives us these instructions. He says, I want you to bless those who persecute you. I want you to bless and do not curse. Well, wait a minute. Why would I do that? They don't deserve it. Well, of course not, at least not from our perspective. But you see that person who makes life hard on you, the ex-wife, the ex-husband, the boss, the in-law, the neighbor, there's somebody that God demonstrates his love for. There's somebody Jesus died for. So that should change how you respond to whatever they do. It should cause us to follow Paul's advice when he wrote, Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. To which if you're like me, you think, well, they're not doing right. But that's not our responsibility, is it? I'm responsible for how I respond. I'm not responsible for how you act. My job is to treat you with the same value that God places on you, regardless of whether you treat me that way. I should show you the same grace God's shown me. So I'm not going to pay you back when you do me wrong. I'm going to try and win you back. I'm going to win you back through kindness and grace and love because that's what my Heavenly Father has done for me. Now, I'll be the first to admit that's really hard for me. I'd rather just write some people off and walk away. But every time I do, I realize that's not what love actually requires of me and it's not what love requires of you and it's not what our Heavenly Father has done for me and you. See, I should treat you with the value God's placed on you whether you treat me that way or not. Do I need to put some healthy boundaries in place? Possibly. Do I have to leave myself in a dangerous situation? Of course not. But love and boundaries are not mutually exclusive. I can still love you not because of what you do but because of whose you are. Which leads to relationship rule number three. I choose to treat every person as someone Jesus died for because they are and he did. Let me say that again. I choose to treat every person as someone Jesus died for because they are and he did. You see, when that person is impatient with me, I won't respond in anger because anger devalues someone that God says has infinite value. I'll treat them as someone Jesus died for. I'll just be patient in return. When that person tries to hurt me again, I won't lash out and try to hurt them back because no father wants to see his children hurting each other. So I'll choose to treat them as someone Jesus died for and I'll return good for evil. When that person disrespects me, I won't go around gossiping about them to diminish their value in the eyes of other people. Nope. I'm just going to treat them as someone Jesus died for. I will value them even if they don't value me. And when someone makes another insulting or critical statement on social media, I won't use my keyboard courage. You got some of that, don't you? I won't say things on social media. I won't type things via text that I'd never say face to face. I will restrain my evil thumbs. I'll type kindness to those who create divisiveness. Because there's someone Jesus died for. 
I'll treat the people who are nice and helpful and respectful with that kind of value, and I'll also treat the ones who are jerks and rude and spiteful and angry with that value too. Because I might not know their story, but I do know their value. Jesus put a price tag on them and said they were worth his life. Years ago, I had somebody give me some great advice on how to see the best in other people. Here's what they said. They said, every time you meet a person, just imagine there is a 10 on their forehead that on a scale 1 to 10, that person that you are talking to, they're as valuable as they come. Because in the eyes of their heavenly Father, well, they are. So if they're worth Jesus dying for, then they're worth me respecting even when they're disrespectful. They're worth me honoring even when they're dishonoring. They're worth me loving even when they're unlovable. So here's my encouragement for you. If you want stronger relationships with this year, just start practicing these three rules. I choose to respond rather than react. I'm going to respond as love requires me to respond with compassion, kindness, and humility, and patience, and gentleness, and forgiveness. I choose to fill the gap with trust before suspicion. I'm not going to assume the worst about you every time there's a gap. I'm not going to expect you to prove me wrong. I'm going to believe the best until I learn the rest because trust is the foundation for every healthy relationship. And then I choose to treat every person as someone Jesus died for because they are and he did. So for all of us who've been forgiven, we're a part of God's family. Let's learn to treat others the way God's treated us. Besides, you can't love God well without loving those that he loves. If you and I will get better at making these three choices, we'll get better at valuing every relationship that God brings our way. And in the process, well, the good news is our lives will be better for it, won't they? Because the quality of our lives is determined by the quality of our relationships. So this week, will you start imagining a 10 on everybody's forehead? And before you snap back, before you attack, would you remember that's someone God loves? Choose to treat every person as someone Jesus died for because they are, and he did. And remember, he died for you too. He knew your story. He knew all that you were going to do. He knew about your sin, your gossip, your rebellion, your greed, your anger, your addiction, your impatience, your harshness, the hurt that you were going to cause other people. He knew about it all, and he still died for you. That is how valuable you are to him. And for those of you who have never chosen to surrender yourself and follow him, well, let me ask you a question that might be naive, and I'll admit that. But here's my question. What are you waiting on? Why wouldn't you trust someone who loves you that much that they would give you their lives? Why wouldn't you give Jesus yours? You see, forgiveness is free if you'll simply choose to receive it. He's offered it to you. He's already done everything that needs to be done when he died for you on a cross. So I want to give you an opportunity if you've never accepted that gift of forgiveness to do it right now. Would you pray with me? If you're ready to start a relationship with God, it's going to be real and personal for you. Just tell him, Jesus, I give you my life. I need your forgiveness. So thank you for offering it to me, and thank you for making me part of your family. Hey, if you'd like more content like this, subscribe to our YouTube channel and download our Journey Calway app to access all of our recent message content. And our app is the easiest way to share this content with a friend. For more information on our church, be sure to visit journeycalway.com. That's journeycalway.com. Thanks for listening.